Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. I have never been more excited to preach the word that I'm going to preach than this morning. I mean, my goodness, they sang all over that thing. They were, is it not nice to have Pastor Joel back? Yeah. Did you have a good sabbatical? He told me when he played last week, he didn't go some areas because his fingers couldn't get there anymore. So he said, I got to get warmed up there. But we appreciate your ministry so much, Pastor Joel, and what you're doing uh, here. In Matthew chapter 9, you can turn there with me. Like I said, they sang, some people danced, some people shouted, some people cried all over the message I'm getting ready to preach to you this morning. I truly believe it's the word of the Lord as I do each and every Sunday. Uh, but there's just something specific about this one. The need in front of me is much greater than what I could ever achieve or accomplish. The need that is in your life, the need that you're experiencing I truly believe that we sang about uh, blind eyes and, and, and deaf ears and mute tongues and raising the dead. I truly believe that, that the miraculous power of God is stored up in the Word of God because the Word of God is powerful. Matter of fact, it's more powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God quickens. The Word of God uh, will not return void. The Word of God is not bound. The Word of God can accomplish and perform what God wants to be done. In essence, as if we hold the sacraments to communion, uh, the bread and the juice, they are symbolic, and Jesus represented that. As I preach the word of God, it is symbolic of Jesus being here. As I preach the word of God, who is the word of God, that the word of God that is preached, that's why it can perform and do everything that you've ever read about, anything you've ever heard testified about. The word of God is active. It is powerful. It is for those who will hear and those who will receive and those that will call forth your faith. You may be saying it hasn't happened yet. I could point to hundreds of people in the Bible that it happened, happened yet, but then it did happen. And when it happened, it happened and it was done. The word of God is real. It's alive. It all, makes all things of God possible when you receive the word of God. Is anybody ready for the word of God this morning? Take your Bible and put it in hand. Put it in your hand and say this with me. This is my Bible. I believe every word in it. I'm going to receive the word preached from it. It was written for me, for my correction. For my direction and my soon coming resurrection. Oh Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there anybody in here the word of God has changed your life? Is there anybody in here that the word of God has changed the way you think, the way you, you live, the way that you, you behave? The word of God is good, amen? It is good. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to share from this passage of Scripture. Pick it up, and we're going to pick up in verse 18, but just give you a little backdrop here. In verses 1 through, oh, 06, 7, or 8 there, uh, Jesus has healed a guy, but he's also forgiven the guy. Matter of fact, when he needed healing, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And they got all riled up, and he said, you can't say that. And he said, what's easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven, or take up your bed and walk. So he just looked at the boy after he had already said, your sins are forgiven. He says, take up your bed and walk. And guess 
what? The guy got up and walked away. And the, the, the religious were furious. They were frustrated. They were astounded by that. And then Jesus, as he's walking by, he literally walks down the road and he sees a guy named Matthew and he sees him collecting taxes and he simply says nothing other than follow me. That is all Jesus said to him at that moment right there. And then you find out he's got the longest gospel book in, in the Bible, 28 chapters written by Matthew because he followed Jesus. I'm telling you, if you will do the simple thing, if you do the obedient thing, I'm telling you, moreover then, moreover will the word of God come to you. Could you imagine not just being the person who read it, the person who preached from it, but being the very person that was inspired by the Holy Holy Spirit of God, that you started to write the Word of God, the eternal, infallible Word of God. I mean, this guy, all he heard was follow me. Follow me. I want to encourage you, could today possibly be that day that he just whispers over you? He just gently passes by and he says, follow me to your spirit. Maybe you'll even hear him audibly. You'll hear a voice and you'll look and say, who said that? That's him. Just follow him. Just be obedient. Here's a guy who is employed. He's occupied. He has, he has a, a good position in his time. He was able to accrue a lot of money in his time, but he let it all go just to follow Jesus. Then we find people wanting to wrestle with Jesus. They were frustrated with him that he wasn't fasting as much as they were fasting. Listen to me. If you're fasting a lot and you're not getting results, you might want to back up a little bit. Especially if you're not getting the same results that Jesus got. Jesus had his fast. Jesus did his fast. He said, wait a minute. He said, it's not time to fast. It's time to spend time with the bridegroom. It's time to have this relationship. But there's always people looking for some reason, some way to explain him out of the picture. To find something wrong with Jesus. Listen to me. If you're trying to find something wrong with the preacher, you're trying to find something wrong with the scripture, you're trying to find something wrong with the worship, you're probably pretty close to trying to find something wrong with Jesus. Amen? Thank goodness Jesus didn't let them stop him. I'm so thankful Jesus didn't become succumbed to uh, the, the whining, the crying, the, the bickering, and the, and the blaspheming, and all the things that he occurred. Because if he had, I wouldn't be here right now. Pick it up in verse 18. So all this has taken place. Now we're going to see a lot of unique things that start to take place. We know this is according to early stages of Jesus' ministry uh, because he's just called Matthew. He's brought him in on the picture. He's coming in. He's, he's really, there's a movement that is taking on. There's a Jesus movement that is taking on as Jesus is moving through this community. In verse 18, while he spoke these things, this morning's title is this. He said, she said, he says. We need to look for what Jesus is saying, but it has something to do with what he said and what she said. Just like it's going to have something to do with somebody who worshiped out of the abundance of the heart, who poured their hearts out to God, what they were saying is going to line up with what he's going to be doing. Uh, just like if you mentioned the name of Jesus or you applied the blood of Jesus, it comes in agreement with what he's going to say and what he's going to declare and how the word will change things in your life. 
So now Jesus is speaking. It says, while he spoke these things to them, behold, that means to gaze intently upon that means to stop and, and observe. Uh, that means to not take your sights off. There's something to, to grasp. There's something to get. It says, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, could you imagine that while I was preaching or while I am preaching or sometime when I'm going to be preaching or one of the other brothers or sisters in here that are going to be preaching sometime, while we're preaching, all of a sudden in the middle of it, somebody busts through the doors and they don't have a gun in their hand. They don't have something to be worried about. They come up and they throw themselves and they start to worship right in the middle of the preaching. What's my point? Sometimes we can activate where we need action. Sometimes we can motivate or inspire what needs to be motivated and inspired in our lives. Your worship can change the atmosphere. Your worship can change the environment. Would you not agree with me that if somebody did bust in, say not from the doors, but from the back or from the middle somewhere, and they just came and started throwing themselves into worship, throwing themselves into worship, don't you think that would change the atmosphere? I think it would. Perhaps nothing's changing because we're not making any changes. Perhaps there's something we can do Perhaps we can be a little bit more passionate, a little bit more zealous. I've said this often, and it will be said often because it's in the Bible often. Those who were in the pack who made the loudest noise, we find in the Scripture, were the ones that got healed. The ones who were crying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. It wasn't somebody in the back of the crowd going, oh, I wish he had come over here and see me. I just, I just, No. It was somebody who was passionate. I can't take that out of the Bible for you. I wish I could for some of you, but I can't. So don't take it out yourself. It's in there. That's just truth. You need a movement in your life? Move. You need a touch in your life? Get in touch with God. Go after him with everything you have. I know this is irritating some people. I got news for you. You're already irritated with God that he hadn't done what you wanted him to do, but you're not doing what you could do. It's time to go after him with everything you have. Listen, if Jesus could carry a listen, if Jesus did not come out of the crowd, separate himself in the garden, cry and sweat drops of blood, and pick up a cross after he'd been whipped and beaten and bruised, and walk out in the middle of public, half naked, carrying a cross, don't you think it would have got done if he said, not today? I don't think so. I, I, I might look, I might look too passionate. I might look too zealous. I might look like I'm the Lord of all. No, you're going to have to step out, make a move to see a move. Amen. So the ruler came and he worshiped him. And listen to what he said. Now, I don't, we have some songwriters in here. Some people who write some really good songs. Matter of fact, I think some of the best songs that we sing here that we sing best are ones that have been written here. He said, my daughter has just died. Could you imagine that being the opening sign of your, a line of your worship song? Haven't found that in Bethel, a hero song, or, or even here. My, my daughter just died. Everybody join me, come on. Probably not going to be a bestseller. But the Bible has been a bestseller so long, they don't even put it on the bestseller list anymore. His, his worship made it. Worship is not all about music, friends. It's not all about singing. It's choosing him above and beyond and over anything and everything else. Choosing him and him only. That's worship. Amen. 
He puts himself, he presses himself in. He's not of the Christians. He's coming out. He's one of the rulers in the air, and he comes out, and he throws, he sacrifices himself in the presence of Jesus. He says, my daughter has just died, but come, listen to this, but come, this is what he said, but come lay your hand on her, and she will live. Uh, This is not Peter. This is not Matthew. It's not John. It's not John the Baptist. It's, it's It's not Elijah. This is just some ruler that has a dead daughter. He said, come. She just died. And to most of us, well, then, then it's over. But we just sang about a God who raises the dead. And, and listen to me. If you don't believe God can raise the dead, do you really believe in resurrection? He says, she just died. He said, come lay your hand on her and she will live. That's what he said. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Changed the atmosphere. He's just dealing with some some uh, ornery religious people who still wanted the old way and don't want the new. They they want the preaching their way. They want the worship their way. They want it the way it was when they're a little boy, little girl. They want it just like it was when nothing was happening. He said, I'll gladly go with you because this is worship. It says he inhabits the praises. He dwells amongst that kind of worship. And so he gets up and he starts to follow. That's a very unique occurrence in the Bible because Jesus just told Matthew, you follow me. And you and I are meant to be followers of Jesus. But now he's following the one who is worshiping. You mean to tell me my worship could change the direction and the atmosphere of what's going to happen? He's looking. Listen to me, friends. He is not looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. And he found one. He found one. And he said he'll come and dwell amongst that. And so he moves on the scene and he starts following. Now, here's an interesting thing. Discipline to follow Jesus. Uh, they did not say that the, that the religious people followed him, said his disciples followed him. Why? You need discipline to follow Jesus. You need discipline for the change of movement that God is bringing to the church. You need to have the disciplines of his teachings are ultimate, are number one in your life, and you're going to adhere to the teachings of Jesus Christ. What he is saying, what he has said, and what he's teaching, you will follow. So they get up and they follow him. Verse 20. A little shift of scene here. And suddenly, that means immediately, out of nowhere, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind. I don't know how long you've been ailing with what you're ailing. I don't know how long you've been troubled with what you're troubled. But I can find you people in the Bible 12 years, 38 years since their mother's womb. Don't tell me time hasn't passed. Don't tell me that it's not possible. Don't tell me it should have been done years ago. I'm here to tell you he's a God who can do it today. I'm here to tell you he's a God that can do it right now. I'm here to tell you that he's the same today as he was yesterday, and he is the one who's going to come. Somebody ought to say amen. Twelve years, twelve years, she came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. And she, she, it's already passing her by. You've got a dead child who's already dead, that he's on his way to the house, but she's already dead. It seems like time has passed by. Opportunity has passed by. To heal the sick is one thing. To raise the dead is another. And then now while he's on his journey there, he's passing by, and this woman reaches out and touched. She didn't just reach. He said, she said, listen to this. 
For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment. Now, I know somebody, I heard you. See, she wasn't loud. Well, not everybody has to be loud, but everybody's got to move. She said to herself, you know what that means to say to me? That's where her battle was. Her battle was within herself. She had been hearing voices for 12 years. She had been hearing the doctor's voices. She had been hearing other people's choices in her life. She had been going through all this crazy stuff, doubt and unbelief inside of her mind. And finally, her voice within her got louder than all the other voices because she did what she says she's going to do. Because she said it, she did it. She could hear it, and she obeyed it. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to say to yourself on the way to the well, I'm going to sit up front. I'm going to throw my hands up. I'm going to get up there and dance with the other ones dancing. And listen, if you don't want to be seen, come here, Pat. Mike, come here, Mike, come here, Mike. Stand right here. You don't want to be seen. You're not sure you want anybody to see you. Stand right here and worship because they ain't going to see you, friends. They will not see you. But somewhere that voice has got to get louder than the other voices you're hearing. I'm talking to somebody. I'm declaring something over somebody. You're saying, today I'm going to give my life. Today I'm going to respond to prayer. Today I'm going to lift my hands. Today I'm going to move into God. That is the voice that you need to hear. He said, she said. So she didn't just reach. She had to tell herself to reach. If only I touched the, his garment Listen to this. I shall be made well. He said, you touch her, she'll be healed. She says, I touch you, I'll be healed. It doesn't matter who touches who. It does not matter who touches first. It's about getting in touch with Jesus. Getting in touch with that blood and that powerful name, that name that, that brings freedom from captivity. But Jesus turned around. Now notice, I mean, could you imagine Jesus in ministry? He's like, which way do I go? Everywhere somebody's pulling on me. Everywhere somebody's putting a demand on me. Everywhere somewhere. Remember, he, he's teaching. He has just healed somebody. He just called a tax collector. He's got a, he's got a new disciple. He doesn't have time for the crowd. He's got to get the love of money out of this guy. Come on, he's got some business to do. And there he is. He's walking around, and all of a sudden, some people stop him and say, "You're not fasting enough." He's like, "Oh my goodness, I got to deal with the religious group here." And then he then he starts as he's preaching. The the, the, your, the ruler tells him to come home with him. So Jesus is doing this way. Now as he's going this way, he's like, "Whoa, what's going on over here? Why your worship, your choice will draw him." And they didn't say, "Leave me alone. I've got somewhere to go. I'm busy right now." Get, get, get her off of me. Matter of fact, I was reading just the other day. I told you last week, the week before when I was in Arkansas, I got to go into the children's church and lay hands on all their children before I went into the main service. One of the most precious things I've got to do. I don't know that I ever felt more like Jesus. Are you sure you want to do that? I don't know. You know, I, you, I, just, you know, I might be bothering the big preacher there. I was like, no. Jesus said, let the little children. You know what he really said? He said, let the infants come to me. Infants. Wham, wham, dirty diaper people. Slobber people. Goo, goo, gaga people. Just so he could touch them. Just so he could touch them. It doesn't matter who touches who. Just as long as the touch is made. 
But Jesus turned around and he saw her. He said, be of good cheer, daughter. I always have to pause there and, and, and let people really understand what's going on here. Jesus is the manifested father. He's God in the flesh. He wasn't big brother. He said, be of good cheer, daughter. He's also saying, your inheritance has just met you because I'm a son and you're a daughter. And all that comes with the inheritance has just come on you because you got in touch with me. I am the doorway and the access way to your healing and your miracle. Laying hold of Jesus opens a door of the miraculous. He said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith made you well. Did you hear what she said? She said, if I touch to herself, louder than the other voice, she said, if I touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turns around and says, your faith made you well. What she said is what he's saying. She's speaking by faith. Exact words, I will be made well. He turned around and said, oh, do you feel better? And he didn't turn around and say, you know, uh, 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 you're going to be stronger after this. And, 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 you know, the sickness is gone. No, he literally said, your faith made you well. Do you know one thing you and I have in common? Whether you're a, a, a ruler of the synagogue or whether you're a, a ruler in the Roman army or whether you're a, a, a woman with an issue of blood or whether you're a, a, a disciple who used to be a tax collector, we all have one thing in common. It's called faith. Faith. These people are faith talking. They're letting their faith do the talking. Sometimes, even around Christians, we hesitate. Our faith wants to say this, but we hesitate because we're worried about what they might think if we say that. We need to learn how to talk to Jesus above and beyond talking to people. We will not get Jesus' results out of people. You might get church results, but you will not get Jesus' results if you only talk to church people and not talk to Jesus. You can, you can go ahead and declare. You can go ahead and, and speak into the narrative of your life of what's going to take place. If I, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. That was her faith speaking. She reached in and did it. He said back to her, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. And the woman was made well in that moment. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, so he's got to make another turn. He hasn't forgot about the ruler, and I got news for you. He hasn't forgot about you. No, you need to hear me. You see him healing this person and healing that person. Now listen, yes, the daughter is dead, but she had just died. She's had an issue for 12 years. She reached him from behind. She tugged on him to hold him, to persuade him. She was pretty serious about this. He turns around and deals with it. He has not forgot about what has just happened. He turns again and starts going in direction. Listen, you need to understand something. Mm. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What the woman said is what Jesus said. So she spoke by faith, and that faith called him. 
Jesus only spoke to those who spoke and called upon him by faith. So the faith in Jesus started moving towards the one who spoke the word of what God had determined he wants to do because God's word says he can do it and he will do it and he does do it. So when you and I start speaking by faith, it's going to bring the faith of Jesus. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm here to tell you, inside of you is shared faith called the faith of Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We get to use the faith of Jesus inside of us. And it bears witness with him. The reason he gave you and I a measure of faith so that when Jesus comes, we'll know him. If you didn't have anything in you, if all you had was griping and backbiting and lying and religion in you, when Jesus came, you wouldn't know it. You'd judge him. You'd push him off. You wouldn't understand it because it would be different, but because you have faith. And that faith receives him. You are saved By grace, through faith, that faith gives you the confirmation of who he is. Amen? That's why people need to hear about Jesus. They don't need to hear about your religion. They don't need to hear about your victories and your overcoming as much as they need to hear about Jesus and what he did in our lives. Amen? So, when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players, and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. Make room. This has been in my spirit so much the last two or three weeks. Make room. I was sharing with some friends the other day, Gretchen and I were, and we're talking about breaking bread and fellowshipping with one another and how important that is. But in my spirit, I started hearing something. You can't, you can't break bread if you can't make bread. You see, we got the mindset, I'll just go buy me a loaf. I'll go get my Hawaiian rolls. I'll go get my Publix or my food, uh, food land, you know, rolls, my favorite little rolls that I like, my brown and serve, my, my sister Schubert's, come on, somebody. I'll go get my favorite roll. My favorite roll is a donut. Donut, Okay. Sweet bread, Mexican sweet bread, right? A donut. I digress. But if you can't make it, you can't break it, right? And so we need to understand the importance of what we do brings about the results of what he can do with it. So, so, so important. He's in the house, and he says to them, Make room. It's been so deep in my spirit. I will make room for you. Come and do whatever you want to do. Even Jesus needed room. Jesus had to drive out what the woman with the issue of blood spoke over. She spoke over all those other voices, and she came to her senses like the prodigal son came to his senses, and he said... And everything that he said, the father said back the same way because he spoke by faith. He was no longer speaking out of his carnal nature, which continues to be at war with God. You need to hear that voice down inside that comes out of your faith, not the one that comes out of your mind. And lo and behold, Jesus says, make room. 
She's not dead. She's only sleeping. We sang that this morning. We literally sang that song this morning. You know why? Faith, the word of faith speaks to the word of faith, which the word of faith will speak to those who are in faith. It comes in agreement with one another. I don't tell them what to sing unless I'm up there on the stage and I say, sing this. Not knowing it's in a different key. It's not their fault, it's mine. When that never goes accordingly, feel sorry for me because I will be embarrassed on Monday when they're saying, Pastor, that's in the wrong key. Pastor, that's not even the right name of the song. Pastor, that's not even the right words. I'm, all I'm saying is sing it. Just sing it, okay? So he makes room. Here, here's my point to you. is It's time to make room. It's time to get the noisy stuff. And listen to me, even some of the music you're listening to, you need to understand this. When, 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 they, when they were playing the flutes and wailing, it goes all the way back over into Second Chronicles when Josiah died and Jeremiah lamented and all the people got together and they lamented and they made it a custom from that day forward that when somebody dies, they'll always remember Josiah and they will wail and play their flutes. So what am I saying? You got to throw away traditions. You got to cast them to the side. You got to break out into a new mold. You cannot, cannot hold on to the old and expect to get the new. The woman let go of something so she could lay hold of someone. And the same thing is happening here. You have got to learn how to move. It might be television shows. It might be things on your internet. It might be things that you, listen, it could be your Christian music that you use to have your time with God. Somebody else's worship will never be your worship. You've got to learn how to worship God without anybody or anything else around you. Yes, it's nice to have an accompaniment. Yes, it's good to have corporate worship, but you've got to know how to reach him. In that crowd, when he's walking down that dusty road, she was the only one that got low enough and went in deep enough to lay hold. Anybody could have received their healing right then, but she did because she broke out from the noise around her and the voices inside of her, and she reached in and laid hold of the garment of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the glory came. The virtue came. And she was healed. He says, make room. And they ridiculed him. Oh, listen to me. As you're making room, don't expect everything just to flee. Uh, those little flute players are going. Shh, 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 shh. Shh, shh. It's like they said on the cross, physician, heal yourself. Now, this isn't the first time. And it wasn't going to be the last time. So to ridicule him, and listen what happens here. <laughs> they seem to try to hold on, verse 25. But when the crowd was put outside, when the crowd, I, I don't know if he stiff-armed them. I don't know if he whistled. I don't know if he played the flute better than they could play. I don't know what he did. I really don't. All I know is that he won the territory. I said, all I know that Jesus was on a mission. Jesus had a plan. Jesus had a word of faith. And he had one person who could believe him and 9, 10, 11, or 12 of them that were going with him. And they said, you heard him out. You heard him out. And the ruler said, this is my house. You got it. Somehow, they, he won the territory. He won the atmosphere. The atmosphere changed. Friends, they were playing music. They are wailing. And some people said, oh, my goodness, they're so deep. They're such lovers. They love her so... The ruler had to break out from the crowd. Jesus had to break into the crowd. He had to move all that stuff out to make room for what he was going to do. Listen to verse 
Second part of verse 25. He went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. Do you remember what the ruler said? He said, he said, well, I know you're teaching right now, but whoa, wait a minute. My daughter just died. My needs are much bigger than their wineskins. You all are talking about old religious things, being dead or alive. I'm talking about a person. For God so loved the world, and he loved the people inside of it, every man, woman, and child, and he, that was greater in his heart than their religious disputes. I'm not going to that kind of church again. You probably won't get what this church is preaching then. It's not about the church. It's about the word. It's not about the people as much as it is about the spirit. Do you remember the rich young, what the ruler said? He said, if you will come to my house and lay your hand on her, she will live. He walked in the house and laid his hand. As the man prayed, as the man besieged, as he said, he's saying, friends, I'm living out the prayer that you're asking. I laid hand. He didn't say a word, but he did the word. Because he is the word. And that's what the word does. It's powerful. It's not restricted. It's not bound. I'm here to tell you, you might have a neighbor that is still sick. You might have a friend that is still troubled. You might have somebody that's in a situation. I'm here to tell you, listen for the word of the Lord. Help them make room for Jesus. He lays hands on this little girl who was dead. You say, but yeah, but he said only sleep. And that's where you have to study the word of God. Matter of fact, when you and I die, we step into what is called sleep. That's where they use the word sleep. And the dead in Christ are asleep. So is she dead? She's dead. But is she gone? She's not gone. She's in a sleep mode. And so now we're having an awakening. Uh, not a revival, an awakening. Uh, somebody's being healed and raised from the dead. Exactly how she said he was doing. Took it by the hand, the girl arose. Listen to this. And the report of this went out into all the land. This is where I sit. This is where I'm at. I don't want everything to happen in a church. I want the church to get into the world. I want what happens in here, what happens in his presence, what happens on our outreaches, I want that to spread into other places to build people's faith, not just for a visitation, for an operation of what God wants to do. It's going to get real interesting here. In verse 27, when Jesus departed from there, the Lord spoke to me years ago. And we were in the middle of a, of, of a revival season, a five-year revival season. Churches everywhere in revival. And then I realized we started worshiping the refreshment instead of the refresher. The miracle worker instead of the miracle. The miracles instead of the miracle worker. So I sat down and not contemplated, but just, just meditated on the Lord. And this is what he said to me. I can remember the desk. I can remember the color of the, of, the, of the room. I can, Whenever I think about this moment when he spoke to me, I can remember picture perfect. Picture perfect. I can tell you where posters were. Tomorrow, if I'm not thinking about this, I could not tell you what that office looked like. Don't think about it. But it was revelation. Full color, full-blown revelation. He said, Greg, I am all for a move of God. This is God speaking. I am all for a move of God until the move of God becomes your God. 
We don't want what God is doing to, to, to stop us and hold us, and we start to concentrate on just what happened in the altar and, and what happened uh, over here in somebody's life. No, we want to keep moving. Are you with me? Jesus did not stop at the move of God and plant a church where the God was moving himself. He would release others to do that. But listen to what happens here. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. So last night in family devotion, you know we have those on Saturday nights, and it's somewhat uh, uh, comparison to what we do here. Now, I was not standing up and running from one side to the other and uh, sweating. and I don't normally sweat, but lo and behold, Pastor Amanda's sweat towel was left on my desk. Maybe that was a reason for that. But the reality is, I'm sharing this, and I said, now when I read verse 27, four children, Gretchen and I in the room, I said, when I read verse 27, tell me, what is really bizarre about this verse? What's out of the ordinary? And it didn't take Levi long. He just kind of leaned back. He said, two blind men followed him. I said, you got it, son. That's right. Now, y'all get a picture with me for a second. Uh, full respect for the blind. I believe that God will open blind eyes. I truly do. But you've got a big hindrance in the ability to follow and seek when you're blind. Don't tell me you can't follow him. There's also a big hindrance in a church. I'll believe it when I see it. Them boys ain't seen nothing, but they've heard it. Somebody told them about it. Now listen, Jesus departed one city, going to another city. He's moving down to Piedmont. He's going over to Aniana. He's up in Skyline. He's going somewhere else. And they're up there saying, we already heard. We already heard. They text me. They called me. Someone came up here and put a banner up. I, they heard. They talked. That was my neighbor. That was my friend. The guy. They live right over there. And they, they knew. Why? Because somebody told them. Yeah, but I tell people nothing happens. You're the forerunner. If you want it to happen because you're doing it, it ain't going to happen. When it's going to happen is when you make room for Jesus. When you clear the scattered brain out, you clear the doubt out, you start to make room in people's brains, and you say, yes, he can. How do you know? Come here, let me show you my friend. You remember they used to sit in front of the gate beautiful, and they couldn't walk. Now you see that he can leap and shout and praise God. They're like, oh, wow, my goodness. But we've got two guys who can't see. Cannot see, and they're following Jesus. Uh, that, that's pretty tricky, pretty challenging. I'm sure they leaned into other senses like, okay, the crowd's, no, crowd, crowd's over here. Keep going. They might have been a little bit behind the, the posse, the entourage. But it's all right. They're seeking. He said, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. When you seek for me with your whole heart. And so they're using their heart. Their passion is louder than their blindness. They're not letting that constrict them or restrict them. They're not letting that hinder them. Uh, let me just tie something in here with you real quick. That we should walk by faith. We should walk by faith and not by sight. I've seen people miss God looking for things. Looking for other definitions, looking for other uh, other uh, verbiage, looking for other churches, looking for other uh, uh, religions, looking for and they miss them because they have to see it to believe it. So these two blind guys, they're following Jesus. 
by faith. And crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. It has an exclamation point in there. I have a funny feeling the exclamation point didn't go, "Um, excuse me, um, I know you're the son of David, and uh, could you help me? I don't think that was it. I think it had some sense of passion, some sense of urgency, some sense of desire. How long have they been blind? I don't know. I don't know. What does it matter if they just went blind or if they're born blind? It doesn't matter to the one who was and is and is to come. It does not matter. He's not restricted by our time, but he's pulled in by our faith. Listen, the news of him has spread abroad. We've got two guys following him, seeking it out. Now listen, sir, it gets a little bit more interesting. So they're saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, Jesus, the blind men came in with him. Uh, wow. I had a friend told me a story years ago. They're on a mission trip to India. I can't remember what city or what region of India. And the whole team got there a day before he did, and he came in later, and it was pitch black. It was dark. It was nighttime. He'd never been to the house before. Staying at a woman's house, and, and she's bunking all of them, and they're going to do this missions outreach. And so he knew which room to go to, and he, he got to the room, and, and when he got to the room, the light was not on, and so he's reaching for the light. How many of y'all have ever reached for a light in the dark? Come on, somebody. Probably the closest thing to being blind. And reaching over, and he's, and, he's, and he's reaching, and he hears something knock over, and he pattern around, and he finally finds the light switch a little bit further than what normally would be. And on the side of the wall is nothing but black hand clearance. And on the bottom of his hand, the thing he knocked over was an ink jar. And so he has black ink all over his hand, and now fingerprints are everywhere. I mean, the, the evidence is all around him. Gets up the next morning, walks into breakfast, with one hand in his pocket. <laughs> Bullets of sweat running on his face. The hostess greeted him. Everybody is seated. There's only one seat left at a table. And he said, I need to tell you something. She said, what is it, my love? Very loving person, kind, generous, hospitable, hospitable person. He said, last night I couldn't find the light switch and I found the ink jar. And she said, there's nothing you can do that would harm me or offend me. Nothing. You are my guest. Walks over, pulls back the chair. Sat on the chihuahua. Killed it. Now that I have your attention. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. Do you think possibly somewhere there could have been a little bit of, uh, uh, of uh, commotion, blind men trying to get into the house that Jesus is in? Have you ever gone to the wrong house? I have. Have you ever gone to the wrong room? I have. My dad used to tell this story. How many of y'all are old enough to remember boarding houses? Not every, not every city, small towns had a hotel. And so somebody moved in. There wasn't a big building uh, project going on. And this is back in the, in the 60s, I guess, back in the late 50s and 60s. And my mom lived in a small town in Iowa, and, and they had just gotten married. But previous to that, my dad was from Rochester, Minnesota. 
And previous to that, my mother's house she lived in, they boarded out a room for a school teacher. And so they were living in that room. They come back from their honeymoon or after they've been married. And my dad used to always visit and he would sleep in one room and my mom would be in another room. There's a good truth to hold to. And so this is before they're married. And so now they've been married, Brooklyn, and, and they're in bed together. And my dad has to get up in the middle of the night and he goes back and, and, and his memory serves him well. And he went back to the room that he used to stay in, crawled up in the bed and cuddled up to the male teacher who was bored in a room. I don't know what it might have looked like, and it ain't always going to look the way you think it's going to look, especially when you can't see. Do you want to see something you've never seen before? Do you want your eyes open? Do you want a new level out of darkness and into light? Do you want to have a glorious encounter and experience with Jesus Christ? You might have to follow him into a room you've never been into before. You might have to go by only what you've heard and what you have not yet seen. But nevertheless, they got where he was. And Jesus said to them, notice this. Do not think Jesus is cruel. He stopped for a woman while there's a girl dead and he goes on to the girl dead he's doing all this stuff and now Jesus moves into a house he goes into the house all this time all this time these blind men have been following him they've been right behind oh my goodness they've been right behind and they've been crying out Jesus son of David have mercy on me don't think he didn't know they're there when he could feel the whisper of a woman with an issue of blood who had no strength in her body, he could feel the tug on the hem of his garment. Don't you dare think that he couldn't hear them. But he waited until he got in the house. He wanted to see how far they'd go. He wanted to see if they had stubbed their toe. He wanted to see if they would not let go. He wanted to see how bad do they want it. How far will they go? You know why he wanted to? Because it's in the Bible. Because there's people like that here. There's people like that in your life. It gets inconvenient. It's a little hard. It's a little difficult. It's a dark. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. It's darker than being blind. Darkness is darkness, my friends. Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? You see, they've been asking for mercy. He knew that they weren't demanding it. They were asking for the mercy of what they did not deserve. And so he's crying out. They're crying out. And he turns and says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? When they didn't know what to say, he gave them what to say. You got to hear this. They didn't say, do this and that'll be done. Do this and that'll be done. If I do this, that'll be done. No, they're just saying, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. They knew they were wretched, friends. They knew blind or not, they didn't deserve anything any better than anybody else, nor do I and nor do you. But they didn't know exactly what to say because it's important what to say. You say, well, I don't know what to say. I've been praying a prayer, praying a prayer. Ask him, what should I say? He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Listen, he did not say, do you believe I'm going to heal you? He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, Simply, yes, Lord. Could that be the deposit in your life today? A yes, Lord, for your next miracle? Even when you don't see him, he's still working. Even when you don't feel him, 
He's still working. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. Again, all three have used their portion of faith. And they've called upon the miracle worker. And all three have received their miracle. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. You you can join me, Pastor Joel, if you would. Did you hear that? Don't tell anybody, but they still did. And everywhere where he said, don't tell anybody, but they still did, he never punished them for it. He understood. If you've ever encountered the Christ, you will want somebody to know. You can't hold it back because what you spoke became true, so you know that what you speak can become true. Well, you got to get this. When you cannot testify to somebody else, it's because you don't really believe the testify testimony of yourself. But when you re- reveal and understand the testimony in yourself, you will tell somebody because you know what has been done can be done. That's missing in church. Now watch this. Notice what spread abroad. The news. The news. Take S off of news and what do you have? Yeah. They had had something new happen to them, which became news. We have such a hard time spreading news because there's nothing new happening in our life. When something new happens in your life, it'll become news to other people. You will want to tell other people. How many of y'all would like to have a testimony to tell other people that would be good news in our life? Verse 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. Can you almost guess what's going to happen? Come on, there's a little track record here with Jesus, right? Things that are brought to him, people that came to him, people that moved by faith, people who believed and said, yes, Lord, you can do it. Listen, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe you're able to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it, but I believe you're able to do it. It positions you in faith for him to do what only he can do. And when the demon was cast out, listen, friends, don't, don't think for a moment that it's any different to Jesus to move a crowd out, noisy flute players, wailers, or cast the devil out. Just like he started this whole chapter, what's easier? Your sins are forgiven or be healed. You may be here right now and have need of healing, but someone also may be here that has need of forgiveness. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. Nothing is too difficult for him. But notice, cast out the demon. The mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, I have this underlined in my Bible. It was never seen like this in Israel. Just stand your feet with me if you don't mind. Could you imagine walking out of here? Can you imagine attending an atmosphere and creating environments? that the people's report is, I've never seen anything like this. Notice we're just two verses earlier. There's blind guys who had never seen, who are now seen for the first time. First time, the first thing these guys see is Jesus. He touched them. 
They see Jesus. Second thing they see is hospitality. They see discipleship. They see all these principles taking place right in front of us. And then the very next thing, I mean, these guys aren't 30 minutes old, maybe three hours. I don't know how long they stayed in the house. Walk out, first thing they see is a devil cast out. I got a funny feeling these boys became dragon slayers. Uh, the, the next thing they saw, and, and maybe their faith was added to it, was somebody who was mute speak. Tongue loosed, eyes open, dead girl, issue of blood. There is nothing impossible with our God. Nothing too difficult for our God. He is a miracle working God. And they said it's never been seen like this before. Wouldn't it be something if we made room for Jesus to do what we haven't seen yet? Wouldn't that be something that we pressed in hard enough that the good enough came out? That we got close enough, we could see it, we could feel it, we could hear it, and it occurs. That's the Jesus I offer to us. That's the Jesus I preach to us. I don't know what needs you have. I can't imagine anything more important than the possibility of your miracle today. See, well, I don't know what to say. Do you believe he's able to do it? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So all you have to say is, yes, Lord. I believe you can turn this around. I believe you can heal this. I believe that you can deliver me from this. This is your moment. I invite you to come to the altar. I invite you to step out. They all stepped out somewhere. They all walked aimlessly to a degree, not knowing exactly where this might lead them. Jesus said, all of you who are weary, if you're heavy laden, he said, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said he went to every city and town and country and in the country and he would heal every manner of sickness and disease. The word says you preach it, it'll manifest. There's miracles awaiting you. Just say yes to the miracle worker. Say yes. Respond to that voice inside of you saying, reach out, touch him. There are people here today that you know that you're not right with Jesus wrestle with and struggle with whether you're saved or whether you've been born again or, or whether you would make it into heaven. I don't know all of your exact language, but you can make that right and sure today. You can come to Jesus. He is able to save you, to deliver you, to free you. If that's you, I encourage you if you have not already. Come. Don't miss this moment. Friends, this is the Lord's day. It's a 
the day of his power. We're drawing near to the day of his appearing, of his return. Every day is closer to it. Reach out and touch him. Cry out to him. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.